You're listening to the Clean Water Made Easy podcast, episode number 15. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the Clean Water Made Easy podcast. My name is Jerry Bolfin. I'm a licensed water treatment contractor and longtime WQA certified master water specialist. Hey, I hope you're having a fine day wherever you're listening or however you're listening. You're in the right place if you want to get easy to follow tips and information all about well water, well water treatment systems, and how to improve the quality of your well water. Today's episode is all about how to troubleshoot and solve low water pressure on well water. This is actually a very common problem. A lot of folks have plenty of water, but not real happy with the water pressure. Maybe they in the shower and somebody flushes the toilet and they water turns hot or cold or, you know, just not the the pressure that they want. So I put together a a checklist and a quick troubleshooting guide called how to troubleshoot and solve low water pressure problems on well water. This guide makes it really easy to troubleshoot low water pressure problems. And if you want one, just go to our website, cleanwaterstore.com slash blog. And look for episode 15 and you can see a link and get your free copy. I have some charts and different checklists that basically covers a lot we're going to be talking about on this episode. And what are are the main topics we're going to cover? Well, one is we're going to go over what is water pressure? What's the difference between water pressure and flow rate? How to find out what your water pressure and flow rate is now before any water treatment systems our filters, and how to troubleshoot common problems with low water pressure and flow rate, how to read a filter pressure chart and pump curve charts, very easy to to do once you know how they're laid out, and how to size whole house filters, how to size filter cartridges, automatic backwash filters, softeners, so you can avoid the pressure drop problems. Okay, well, let's First, what is water pressure? What's the difference between water pressure and flow rate? So water pressure in the U.S. and Canada is typically measured in pounds per square inch, which is referred to as PSI. A lot of you may know this already, but pressure is just how many pounds per square inch your water is under. So for example, say you had a storage tank that was 100 feet higher than your house. Maybe it's up on a hill, for instance, and you have gravity pressure. If you were down at the house, you'd have 43 PSI. So another way to think about it, for every 10 feet of elevation or head, as it's also called, you would have 4.3 PSI. So another point is this pressure would be the same if you had a million gallons of storage tank up on the hill or you had a thousand gallon storage tank. You'd still have 43 PSI, for instance, if it's 100 feet higher. But for many of us on residential well systems, we don't have gravity flow. We use a submersible well pump to give us the water pressure. So the higher pressure you have, the more flow you have up to a point, a more flow of water can flow through your pipes. So most modern homes and appliances like to have at least 30 PSI. However, 50 to 60 is generally considered better or standard. 
70 is good. I have mine set at 70, but you don't generally want to go too much above 70 because it can damage some appliances. But generally, if you have low water pressure, but no problems with flow, then you have probably you're looking at somewhere around 20 to 30 PSI. So water pressure is easy to measure with a pressure gauge. Most home well systems do have at least one pressure gauge. It's usually somewhere on the pipe near your pressure tank. You can usually see what the PSI is by just looking at the gauge and jotting down the PSI. Most of the submersible pumps, which is a submerged pump down in your well, they will turn on, say, at one pressure, usually like 30 or 40, and then off at 50 to 60. So there's usually a 20-pound differential in there. Okay, let's talk about flow rate for a minute because this is important. Flow rate can be thought of in terms of gallons per minute that's flowing through a pipe. Gallons or liters per minute. A common residential well pump might deliver anywhere from 5 to 20 gallons in one minute. So for instance, if you had 10 gallons flowing through that pipe in one minute, you could say you had 10 gallons per minute. So pressure is not the same as flow, however. As an example, you could have great water pressure coming from your well, but terrible flow rate and reduced water pressure inside your home. One thing to think about is your, the pipes. So for instance, most homes in the U.S. and Canada have usually three-quarter, maybe branches off to half inch inside the house, but somewhere half inch, three-quarter, or maybe one inch pipe in diameter. So say you had really great water pressure of 60 to 70 PSI, but your home had all half-inch piping. And say you had three bathrooms and you wanted to use them all at the same time, and or you had a large spa-type bathtub that wanted to be filled at a high flow rate. Because, it, because of the half-inch piping, you would experience low flow rate and it would look like low water pressure, even though you had 70 PSI to start with. That's just an example. Your pressure could be good, at the beginning, but you could have restrictions or pressure drop in your house, which in effect gives you low pressure at the point of use. So how, how to find out what your water pressure and flow rate is now. So if you get a chance, you can listen to episode two, where I discussed how easy it is to find out what your well pump flow rate is and what, and more about flow rate. I'm putting a link in the show notes as well. So if you go to the, the site and look for episode 15, you can see the, the, a link. We have a link on our site that has like a little video and little description of how to do it. But basically, here's a quick overview of how to find out your flow rate. Pumps are typically set, like I said, to turn on at one pressure and off at another pressure, usually 20 PSI higher than the low pressure. Now here we're talking about standard single speed submersible well pumps or booster pumps if it's above ground that are single speed. They're not, some, some folks use a constant pressure system or a type of system that has a variable speed motor where it maintains a constant pressure in the home. And so they don't fluctuate between high and low. For that, that's a different subject. <clears throat> but if you have the standard system that just has a pressure switch where it turns on one PSI off at another, what you do simply is you measure the drawdown from your pressure tank in gallons. That's how many gallons can come out of the pressure tank when it's full and the well pump is shut off. And then you simply determine how fast the well pump fills it. So then basically you just time the period in seconds it takes for the well pump to build up the pressure till the pressure switch turns off, 
between the cut in and cut out. And then the, fl- the formula is very simple. You just take the number of gallons drawn down that you measured and you divide that by the seconds required for recovery to build it back up and shut off. And then you multiply that by 60. Again, this is a little hard to follow. You can watch a little video on it or go to our website and get more detailed explanation. But a typical situation would be if you had 20 gallons of drawdown, so that's the amount of water that just comes out of the pressure tank when the, the well isn't running, the pressure tank's full, and it took 120 seconds to build the pressure back up. You just divide, take 20, divided by 120, that equals 0.166, then you multiply that by 60, come out with 10 gallons per minute. So the, if that was the situation, you could say, I have a 10 gallon a minute flow rate, which is pretty fine for most standard homes with like two to four persons and two to three bathrooms. That That's okay. Okay, so let's talk about troubleshooting some common problems when you do have low water pressure and flow. Like, where's it coming from? How come I have my water pressure so terrible? Well, one thing is it could be actually low flow coming from the well pump itself. This can be caused by a variety of problems. Maybe the actual pump is old and wearing out. You know, the impellers are worn down. It's clogged or something. You could have a problem with restricted well itself where the screens of the well are having a problem, uh, starving the pump. You could have a partially stuck check valve. Sometimes there'll be a foot valve down in the well or a check valve up on top. These can get built up with iron and sludge and be partially stuck closed. A lot of folks not uncommonly have a corroded well pipe or a broken well pipe where there's a little leak in the pipe. So when the well's running, some of the water's squirting out the pipe back down into the well. So for these kind of problems, you really need a professional. So we recommend the National Groundwater Association. We've been a member for many years, good bunch, and they have good professional list of uh, local. If you don't have a good local guy, you know already. Um, just go to wellowner.org and you can just put in your area and, and fi- probably find one in your area. But those kind of problems, it's pretty hard to troubleshoot yourself. You'd need a help. Okay, so another one is maybe the well's fine, the well pump's fine, but your pressure switch is set too low. Or maybe you have a bad pressure switch. Again, the pressure switch is the electric switch that, that senses the pressure in the pipe turns on the well pump at one pressure and off at another. So for standard systems, a question we often get, hey, can I just turn up the pressure switch? Can I adjust it? You can, but you have to be careful because if it was set, if it was set that way originally by the well contractor, the well driller, the professional that installed it, it's that way for a reason. They want it, if it's 30 to 50, then that might be the best that that well pump can do. For instance, say you want to say, hey, I want 60 PSI. Well, I'm just going to adjust the little screw so that it that it that gives me higher pressure. But you might find that the well pump labors a long time. It can't really reach 60 PSI. A lot of them can. So again, this is kind of a gray area. You might not want to adjust the pressure switch yourself. You Again, you might want to consult with a professional. But if you did want to adjust your pressure switch, you'd have to make sure to adjust the pre-charge amount of air in the pressure tank. So the pressure tank has a pre-charge amount of air 
Some of them have a bladder, some of them have a diaphragm, but it's what they call a captive air tank. So the air is in there under pressure. And there's usually a little valve, looks like a something on a bicycle or a tire where you'd add air pressure to it. And this is something you can do. You can turn off your well pump, turn off the power to it, and then just open up the a hose bib or faucets until there's no water pressure. And then you could check that pressure and just get out like a tire pressure gauge and check the pressure. And the idea is that you want it to be about two PSI less than the cut in of the, what your well pump is set at. So for instance, if your well pump is set to turn on at 30 and off at 50, then you'd want it to be the, the pre-charge pressure to be 28. Sometimes these tanks do lose a little pressure over time. And so that can help get better, have it work better. If, if you check it and there's very little pressure in it, or if you check it and water comes out, then the tank is bad and you either need to replace it or again, get help from a professional. But generally it's a good idea to, to check that and you, it should be two PSI less than the cut in. So say you wanted to raise it from your pressure's 30 to 50 and you'd like to get 40 to 60, then you would need to raise the pre-charge air pressure in it with a little air compressor or a tire pump back up to two PSI less than the cut in. Again, you have to be careful because you don't want to raise the pressure and find out that your pump's running a long time, can't shut off. That could damage your pump. Okay, so that's a common problem. The pressure switch is set too low. Another thing is the pressure switch is just bad. That's a very common problem. You get a situation where the pressure switch is is attached to the pipe with a little pipe nipple, and inside that pipe nipple, it's full of sand or sludge or rust. Can't check the pressure very good. It's not operating correctly. It can malfunction and affect the amount of pressure that can build up. Again, if you were going to work on your pressure switch, make make sure you shut the le- the power off to it, the electricity off to it. But you can shut the power off and just open up the little cover on it and look inside. And if you see it covered with ants or earwigs, or maybe there's lots of spider webs, or maybe it's burned looking, then you know it either needs to be cleaned, at least the top part of it, or it needs to be replaced. Uh, we do have a lot of folks that do replace their own pressure switches. This is, again, most well drillers, well professionals say, don't do this yourself, get help. But there you go. There, it, it, That could be one of the things going on with it. Okay, and then failed pressure tank or low pressure in the captive air tank. We talked about that already. That's something good to do. Again, check your air pressure. Okay, so now moving away from the well and the pressure tank, some problems that are very common for causing low pressure in the house is the pipe itself. Your pipe could be clogged with rust. And that's very common, especially if you have iron. You know, there's rust in the water. Basically, the only way to really know for sure is to cut open a section of the pipe and look at it. Unless you want to do plumbing, you're going to need a plumber or help from a, your well contractor to do this. But basically, you just cut a section of the pipe out and look at it. It should be clean. There should be no buildup on the walls. But if it's, I mean, I've seen somewhere you could barely stick a pencil in it. It's so plugged with iron and rust. And if that's the case you will need to replace the pipe. 
it's pretty hard to clean pipe. It is possible to do a little bit of cleaning of the pipe, but I mean, you really need acid to clean it. So it's pretty tough to run acid through the pipes. You can use citric acid. If it's a mild buildup, there is a way to, to clean the pipes, but it's pretty tough. So unfortunately, we've seen folks have to repipe their house. A lot of times you don't have to repipe your all the house. A lot of times it's just the what the pipe near the near the well or maybe the pipe that goes from the well to the house. So that is a possibility. If you if you're having low water pressure, it could be lots of build up and mucky stuff that's building up inside your and so the next thing is we run into a lot is partially clogged or stuck or partially closed gate valves. You get these valves. A lot of times they're never open and closed for years at a time. You know, it's a good idea with a gate valve. You should really close it and open it once after a while. A couple times a year is good. When you close the gate valve and open it back up, you don't want to open it all the way. You want to open it up. So it's all the way and then turn it back about a half a turn. Those things go bad. So that's good. If that's something that's often easy to replace, get a little plumbing involved, but something, if you can find one part in your plumbing that's causing the problem, that's a, that can be a simple fix. Especially if you find out, Hey, my, I checked my well, checked my flow rate on my well, I checked the pressure. I got good water pressure, but It's just terrible in the house. So you can start to go through the checklist and just figure out, hey, what's causing the problem? Another less common one is a pressure regulators. Some folks do have pressure regulators. More common on if you're on a municipal or community water system, but it's possible if you have very high water pressure and you have to put in a regulator to lower the pressure going into the house, those things go bad. And, um, get full of rust and sand and, and arches go bad over time. So those can be replaced. Okay. And then if you go through that part and you find out, you know, really, you know, I don't really have a problem. Everything seems good. I looked at the pipe. I don't think I've got any problems with bad gate valves or check valves. Then you want to start to look at fixtures. You know, a lot of times really you do have good water pressure. You do have good flow rate, but your aerator's clogged on the faucet. Your shower head is clogged or your, the faucet or the fixtures are bad, often because of hard water, iron, manganese, or sand or sediment builds up in those things. Like for instance, if you look under your sink, you'll see two little angle stop valves where that, that one for the hot one for the cold, those things go bad regularly. And those things, unless you have an extra one ready to go, you generally don't want to mess with those. Um, They can even just by trying to open and close it, it can break it. So you have to be a little careful with that. Those should be exercised a couple times a year too. No one ever does, but it's a good idea to open and close those once after a while as well. But that's the thing to look at. Take off your, you know, the shower head, take off the aerators, common problem that we hear about is, you know, my washing machine takes forever to fill. Well, actually the water pressure and flow is fine. What it is, is that there's a screen on the washer hose. So often on the cold can happen on the hot as well, where you have a, in the, in those black short little 
garden hose type connector, uh, wash machine hoses, those things often get built up with hard water, hard to scale, I mean, and uh, iron, rust, and sand. So you can turn off the water, take those off and replace them. Those are easy to, they're cheap to replace. Often something for that, you don't really need a plumber. It's easy to do yourself. So that's something definitely to check, especially if you find your washing machines taking a long time to fill. And then the other obvious thing is that maybe there's a filter somewhere that you didn't know about, or you have a filter, you know about it, but you haven't checked in a while. So improperly sized, clogged filter cartridges, those will definitely cut your pressure and flow. Also water softeners and iron filters and other automatic water treatment systems, those will often restrict your flow and pressure into your house. Okay, so getting to water pressure and filter cartridges, it's very simple to read a filter pressure drop chart and pump curve charts, and I've got pictures of those on the blog, on the the site, and it's also in the guide. But essentially, you you want to look and see what filter cartridge you're using, and and the manufacturer will, will almost always have a chart that shows what the pressure drop is, and so you you can tell do I have one that's properly sized for the house. Generally, if you have a a a small filter cartridge that's two and a half inches in diameter, that's not really the best for a whole house filter. Usually the filter cartridges that we use for the whole house are the four and a half inch diameter ones, and they're either 10 inch or 20 inches long. But if you have a if you have a two and a half by 20 inch one, that's okay for your house, but it's better to use a four and a half inch one. And so these are I'm talking about the diameter of the filter cartridges, and I've got some pictures and charts in the guide. It makes it easier, a little hard to follow, just talking about it. But essentially, with the chart, you have your X and Y axes, you know, if you remember from learning about coordinate grids, but basically, you're the X axis, the one that goes across the bottom, and your Y axis is the one that runs up the left side. The one I'm looking at shows the approximate net pressure drop, the PSI running up the y-axis on the left, and the flow rate in gallons per minute goes from left to right across the bottom x-axis. So, for example, this one I'm looking at, a 10-gallon per minute cartridge gives you a 1 PSI drop when it's new. So, essentially, most of the cartridges, if they're sized right for your house, you won't notice any pressure drop when you put it in. But, if you notice it after some weeks or some months or for some poor unfortunate people after a few days, then you know that you've got a problem with buildup in the cartridge. That's why generally we don't recommend whole house filter cartridges unless you have a very light sediment problem. The idea is that you don't want to get put something in that you're going to have to deal with every month. Maybe if you change it once a year, that's okay. But if you're going to have to do it, change a cartridge every month, then you're better off to get an automatic system that filters the water and then backwashes it. But it's, it, you know, it's a little bit of a matter of opinion on what you want to deal with. The filter, the whole filter cartridge systems are just a fraction of the cost of a backwashing system. And then with the backwash system, you got a little bit of backwash water. So there's a little bit of trade-off. 
But generally, if you have a serious sediment problem, especially if you have an iron problem, you're much better off getting a an actual backwashing sediment filter or iron filter to deal with the problem as opposed to a cartridge filter. Because cartridge filters will definitely cut back on the flow. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about pump curves. doesn't really apply. I've got some information. It's probably easier to follow in the guide. But the pump curve is sort of the same thing. You, you design, you select a pump based on how many gallons per minute it is and what the pressure is. And again, in the, the grid chart, you can see what the sweet spot is, what the best thing is. Of course, you probably wouldn't be going out and buying a new pump, but you might want to find out, look at what you've got. So for instance, you know, the, oftentimes the well, the pump contractor will leave the information on your system with you and you can look in there and see, okay, oh, I've got a half horsepower pump that only does eight gallons a minute because my well pump is set down at 350 feet. Then, you know, you know, you, you just got low. You can have low water pressure, low flow. So that's something to talk to the well and pump guy about. It's not it's pretty hard to change your submersible well pump yourself, if not impossible. So Basically, the one thing we can help with is how to size automatic backwash filters and softeners to avoid pressure problems. Okay, that's the next section here. You know, the first and most important point about this is look at what, see what the manufacturer recommendations are. In other words, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to buy this, pick up this water softener from Home Depot or, or I've got a, I got a filter cartridge, they'll still tell you what the maximum flow rate is in gallons per minute. And if it's not what you want, then you might want to get something different. So generally for homes, depends on the size of the home, of course, the number of persons, but you want to size something that's not going to restrict your flow. You don't want to get something that's too small. It's going to cut back on your water pressure and your flow rate, especially if you have a large home and you need to fill a swimming pool or you have a commercial application. Generally, you don't want to put a filter cartridge or a water softener on there with a, say, a three-quarter inch pipe size on your plumbing that has a one inch or inch and a quarter pipe. In other words, you want to get something that's sized for your home. We also have in the, in the guide, there's a, a, a table, an easy-to-follow chart that's all about filter tank sizing. And this shows you the service rates of various types of filter media. So like, let's say you're getting a water softener, you need an iron filter. So... A common way to size filters, backwashing filters, is based on the square footage or the surface area of the top of the tank. So for instance, say you had a square filter tank, which don't exist, they're all around, but and it was 12 by 12. Then you'd, you'd 12 inch on each side. So then you'd have a one foot, uh, one square foot of filter tank. So the media is sized on how many gallons per minute can this do per square foot? So for instance, if you had a 14 inch diameter tank, that's about one square foot of surface area. So you can easily look at the chart and say, okay, I, I really want to get 15 gallons a minute. I don't want anything that's going to restrict my pressure. So you want to get a decent sized filter that can handle that. And another way to do it is you can get two in parallel. So say you, you want to have enough flow, you can put two filters in parallel. 
Now it'll give that that way you can get less higher flow rate with less restriction. Okay, well, hey, well, thanks for listening. I hope this was helpful to you. I know this some of this is a little strange to talk about just by talking and not by looking, but if you can get the guide and look at it, it'll explain a lot of this and you don't have to jot down or memorize all this stuff. The other thing is, is if you have any questions, just email me directly. My email is jerrybullfin, I spell with a G, so G-E-R-Y-B-U-L-F-I-N at cleanwaterstore.com. And I will email you back. People email me all the time. So happy to answer any questions you might have. And another point is that if you're listening to this on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. If you give me an honest rating and review, it only takes a minute. And it's a very huge help to the podcast. So again, if you want to get your checklist and quick troubleshooting guide, just go to our website, cleanwaterstore.com slash blog. Look for episode 15 and you can get your copy there. Okay, well, thanks again for listening.